Believe in yourself, cause it starts with you And then everyone else will believe you too And if it looks like you're the only believer around Just keep on believing, don't put yourself down Just believe Our guest this week grew up in Port Huron, Michigan Earned a bachelor's degree in science and the arts from the University of Michigan And a JD in law from the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law from 94 to 96, he was a law clerk. And then from 96 to 98, he practiced law with Bodman PLC. Since 2000, he's been the president and co-owner of Corporate Travel Service, whose mission is to enhance lives and promote culture by creating customized travel experiences that open the world to its clients. His name, John Hale. And I'm Jack Prisula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. I'm Jack Crisula. This is Anything is Possible, and we're talking to John Hale, the president and co-owner of Corporate Travel Service, and I'm honored to call him a very good friend. Thanks for all you've done for me, Pam, so many others through the years. Welcome, John. Thank you, Jack. What a pleasure. Thanks for, for having me on. Can we start by you leading us in an opening prayer? I'd love that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this evening to come together and to praise you, to give you thanks for all you have done and all you do for us. We pray for those who are in need this evening, anywhere in the world, anyone who doesn't know you, that they might have the peace and joy that surpasses understanding by knowing of your great love for each one of us. We ask this through Christ our Lord, as you bless our conversation. Amen. All right, let's go to, back to Port Huron. Talk about your childhood, your mom and your dad. Oh, Jack, I had a great, great growing up on Lake Huron. It's a beautiful, small community with really great people. My parents are wonderful. I have a younger brother. And uh, frankly, we had a lot of joy. We had a lot of fun. Um, very close with our extended family, aunts and uncles, grandparents, and had a lot of family who were like friends and grew up in a, you know, again, a small community, but where uh, people at that time, I think, recreated more. We spent more time together as family. We, we came together around the dinner table every night. I think that's an important part of our formation as kids. Uh, being able to interact with adults, and as I said, have fun. Have fun out on the lake, have fun with each other, and it was in many ways idyllic. What's the biggest thing you learned from mom, and what's the biggest thing you learned from dad? From my mom was definitely discipline. Uh, she knew, always taught us right and wrong, and there was a right and a wrong, and that presumes truth, and that there is you know, every situation you've got to make a choice. And um, she was very good, instilled in us that principle from a very young age. And and because of that, I think we had opportunities as kids that others didn't because we were welcomed to, uh, you know, go out on, you know, uh, boats or go, go to places where other kids may not have been welcomed because we were well-behaved. They were yachts. They, they were, were yachts. Well, they were, you know, at that time, it'd probably be uh, very little today. But, but no, we had, we had great opportunities, I think, because of that. Uh, my dad learned a great sense of fun and joy and laughter. And, uh, you know, not to take yourself too seriously, that, um, you know, life is joyful and it should be joyful. And uh, my dad and, and his entire family 
are uh, people of, of joy and of laugh, and it was a great combination. You got a law degree from the University of Detroit Mercy School of Law, and then for two years, 94 to 96, you were a law clerk for Justice Dorothy Comstock Riley. You carried her for two years. What did you do? Well, we would uh, do two things. One, we would prepare her for the bench. So when uh, a case was coming to the Michigan Supreme Court, we would review the law, review both briefs, and uh, basically prepare her for that hearing. Uh, And then if justice was assigned that case, we wrote the opinion. And what we wrote was largely adapted and became law. You know, might change a couple of words here or there. We worked very closely with Justice Riley. She was a tremendous part of my formation. Uh, Very, very grateful to and for Justice Dorothy Comstock Riley. Then you worked for two years for Bodman PLC. Then you went to work for Ford Motor Company. I did. Yeah, I had the privilege uh, to work, Jack, for um, the Ford family. Uh, Tom Lawand, who, who again, was another great man put in my life to you know, learn a lot of skills beyond the law on how to treat clients, how to work for others. I had the gift to work uh, directly for Bill Ford on the project of assembling the land for Ford Field. Of course, as a very junior attorney, but, you know, I was brought in the room and, and uh, was able to witness and see how, how to interact with others. And then certainly how to do, you know, how to acquire land and, and how to put together a deal. And that was a great opportunity. I'm very, very grateful for those years and for a tremendous law firm of Bodman who are still our attorneys. You had a great future at Ford. And in 2000, you decide to leave Ford to go into a family-owned business. Was it- Why? It was a very unlikely move. And, uh, Jack, this is one of the only times I can remember in my life. Uh, you know, we had our starter home. I had just been married. And uh, we, I, I loved Bodman. I liked the work I did there. But I had organized a couple of trips for attorneys uh, to go overseas as an activity of the alumni board of the University of Detroit. Mercy School of Law. And it was just something I did in the evening because I liked to travel. I had studied international law, lived overseas, and I just did that as something that was fun. But soon kind of realized that that was a passion, travel, and and more than just travel, bringing experiences to other people. And, you, you know, when you're in the zone, when you're doing something you really love, you can feel it and sense it. And so it really didn't make any sense whatsoever. I mean, I had been now at Ford Motor Company. I had a great job, a great opportunity. And it's the only decision I think I ever made in my life for my parents uh, very gently, but scratched their head and said, what are you doing? That that does not seem to make sense. And there's a lot of risk. And remember, this is at 2000, the advent of the internet. Uh, airlines were reducing and eliminating commissions. It seemed like travel as an industry was definitely changing and probably and maybe even going away. So it was, uh, you know, a move that took three years to discern. And frankly, it was pride that kept me from doing it because I thought, well, people think I couldn't hack the law or something and that I had to go work for a family business. But in the end, I had this moment I alluded to a minute ago where I really, you know, I didn't hear any voices, but I really had this sense in the backyard of our starter home this is what I'm supposed to do. And I, in, a, in a dime, it was so convicting. I knew I was supposed to do it. I called my father-in-law, who was in Greece, and said, I'm, I'm going to come and join you. And he was more shocked than anyone because we'd been having this talk for three years about whether or not to do it. And never looked back. Very grateful. 
few times you've thought, what the heck did I do? Well, (laughs) soon after, it was September 11th, um, and that was a difficult time for a travel industry, but uh, we made it through that. 08, 09 wasn't too fun. And then the pandemic was, you know, an existential crisis. But We're talking to John Hale. When we come back, we're going to talk about the founder of Corporate Travel Service, Joe DeFranco. And I'm Jack Russell, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Welcome back to Anything is Possible. I'm Jack Crisula. We're with John Hale. 1965, Joe DeFranco starts Corporate Travel Services, Dearborn, Michigan. Talk about the patriarch of Corporate Travel Service. Well, I'm very blessed, Jack, to have really two dads. I have my own dad who's tremendous influence on me, but also my father-in-law, who I consider also a father. He was a teacher and a counselor uh, by profession and made his way into the travel industry, sort of like me, by default, organizing travel for students and for teachers and so forth. And uh, he is a remarkable man. I mean, truly someone, a man for others. He didn't. He was not Jesuit educated, but, but he, he, he is by nature. And he is a man for his wife, for his kids, his in-laws, his grandkids, and everyone he meets. And he taught me so much about, um, you know, not just to be in business, but, but how to serve others and serve others well. Brother-in-law, David DeFranco. Well, you know, going into business with your father-in-law and brother-in-law can be a concern. And it was, it was one of mine because I uh, deeply loved, as I said, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law, David. And uh, by God's grace and by their patience and virtue, it has turned out to be the best thing I could have done because David's a remarkable man, uh, hardworking, bright. And uh, we've had 25 years in business together and very, very fortunate. If you want to learn more, www.ctscentral.net. All right, Corporate Travel's mission, enhance lives, promote culture by creating customized travel experiences that open the world to our clients. We have a tradition of exemplary service, and you live that. We are governed by integrity, and we value innovation. Let's go to February 2020. Life is good. Business is great. Paint for us a picture of corporate travel service in February 2020. Well, we had just completed three years of significant investment into the company, and we'd invested in technology and personnel and a tremendous new CEO who brought us to a point where in February of 2020, Jack, if we had not sold another trip for the rest of the year, we would have been between 25 and 30 percent bigger than our biggest year. So we're kind of riding high, you know, and you start to think, uh, wow, this is really great. All this work for almost 20 years, uh, you know, we're going to really rock out the rest of this this year. And uh, then we, we hit a brick wall. <laughs> All right. You had 75 employees, 40,000 clients. You had $25 million in prepaid funds. However, your vendors had all the money. Business was never better. And then America learns about this guy, Dr. Fauci. Uh, the COVID hits. COVID hit, and it was uh, it was dramatic. Uh, again, an existential crisis, you know, whether we could continue to exist or not, because people say, oh, yeah, you know, it was difficult. You went two years without income. 
frankly, that was the least of our problems. Our problem was if you've seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you know, I don't, I don't got your money. The money is here. The money is there. We take in deposits and then we invest it uh, in airlines, in hotels, in motor coaches, in, uh, you know, restaurants. And that uh, tens of millions were peanut buttered across the world. And, and everybody is closed, Jack. There's nobody open. You can't call a hotel in Rome. You can't call the restaurant in uh, Krakow, Poland, where you have your money. It, it's all closed. And these people that were calling, the 40,000 customers, I don't care who's got my money. I just want my money, and I'm calling Jeffrey Figer, an attorney general, if I don't get the money. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I understood that. I understood the perspective. They're dear clients. These are people... Um, but it, it, it was just an intractable situation, it seemed. All right. You had people in Greece, Italy, on cruises. How'd you get them home? All over the world, yeah. We had to expatriate, you know, many, many groups um, from two groups in Israel. Uh, Father Mike Schmitz was one of those groups. And uh, fortunately, we had one of my colleagues there who knocked on his door at 2 in the morning and said, come down right now. And all 50 of your uh, students were taking you to Ben Gurion Airport and flying you home. We were buying tickets for our staff, for our team, just to get everybody home uh, before the world shut down. All your vendors closed down. In fact, the ones from Europe, several of those countries told every vendor, don't send any money to America. It became illegal because, you know, in Italy, the, the government is funding these hotels and, and a lot of these operations to keep in business. So they don't want the money that they're sending to the hotel to fund their team to go out the back door back to where the money belonged, frankly, and that was with those who had deposited the money. So it was, yeah, very, very tough. A lot of businesses let their employees go. You couldn't let your 75 people go because the phones were ringing like crazy, demanding the money. Talk about a typical day, John, in your life in March, April, May, June of 2020. It was very rough. It was like nuclear bombs going off every few minutes because there are so many downstream effects. You know, the technology company, which you're very familiar with, Jack, it took two years of investment, six months of, of uh, you know, in, installing this into our, in a rubric of our business. And they go out of business, essentially. And now we're moving everything back to our legacy system. We're trying to handle insurance uh, calls. Um, you know, Death threats. <laughs> yeah, I had very many personal threats. Um, it, it, it's the scope and the scale. I mean, you know, you try to sleep three, four hours a night uh, and you wake up in a pool of sweat. You know, how can I get through this? How, how can we, you know, of course, I've five kids and we have three in college and um you know we got to get them home uh we're, we're managing it all remotely too i mean and trying to keep the spirits of our team up i mean we love our team our team is corporate travel that is you know they were doing everything they could so you know we got some very good outside counsel you know here are here are our plans here's what we think we can do to serve our company and our people and um, what we ended up doing was using our own working capital to start refunding people to the extent that we possibly could and then we just hoped that we would reclaim these deposits eventually. We're talking to John Hale and he's telling us about surviving COVID corporate travel service. If you want to learn more, www.ctscentral.net. When we come back, we're going to talk about the day that he had an epiphany. And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR.
This is Anything is Possible. I'm your host, Jack Prasola. Well, John Hale. John, you're going through this fire day after day. March, April, May, June 2020. And then one day you have an epiphany. You know, it, Jack, it was just unbelievable. You, you think you kind of have a normal life, and, and then every single day is worse than the one before, and it goes on for months and months and months. And you get this sense, this feeling. I, As I said, I grew up on the water, and water imagery has always been important to me, and I kept feeling like I'm getting knocked down by these giant waves out on Lake Huron. You know, I'm standing there on the beach, and bam, you get knocked down and dragged through the rocks and stones and scraped and bruised, and then you somehow get up again, and bam, the next wave, and bam, the next wave, and then they come just consecutive, bam, 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 and thought, why is this happening to me? You know, you just keep asking yourself, how and why? And then, I, in, in prayer, I had this image flipped entirely. It was like, again, no voices, but, but just this sense, like, this is happening, not to you, you know, get out of your own way. This is happening to the world. God is actually preserving you. How do you think you're still standing? It isn't, why am I getting knocked down? It's, why are we still in business? How are we still in business? How are we still standing? And when that dynamic and that thought is entirely flipped, now you feel you're being protected. You're being guided through something. And even if it's hard or difficult, that's the way life is sometimes. But God is actually the one lifting you up. The only reason you are standing, the only reason you're still on the beach and not drowned is because of God, his grace and providence. So that changed everything for me because even though it continued to be difficult, instead of feeling like, oh, poor me, I'm the one getting really knocked around here, it was, wow, how come God is is giving me this grace? How come he is still letting us persevere and and exist? Uh, And it's... Only, only because of his goodness and grace. You've now come up with a speech entitled The Sanctifying Grace of a Business Crisis. And part of it is where you talk about the four most important things you've learned. Number one, God permits trials, crosses, and even suffering to bring us closer to him. It's true. And, you know, when we go through these difficult moments in life, Jack, there's a, there's almost like a freedom, you know, you, you, you're on your knees and, and you realize and that there's not a lot you can do. And what that is to me is just the reality of every day laid bare. You know, we don't know what the rest of today is. You never know what it is. But we have this sense as our, because so much of our life does go well, that we are in control. And so those sufferings, those moments, I think we realize better that we're not. And it, we are in God's hands. We are in his providence. And he uses those difficult moments to draw us closer to him. We're talking to John Hale. John, the second biggest thing you say you learn is uncertainty can actually be our ally. This is difficult for a lot of us because we want to control things. We want clarity. We want to know what the future is. You know, anyone can agree whether you're a believer or not. We don't know what the future is. We have no clue. So for me during that time, if Yogi we... Yogi Berra used to say, the future, the future ain't what it used to be. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we think about, okay, at that moment, if, if someone told me in March of 2020, this is going to go on more or less in some form or fashion for two years, I said, well, forget it. There's absolutely no possibility that we could get through this. But not knowing the future, 
And having that uncertainty is the only reason we exist today, because you just put your faith in the next day. The next day, Father John Ricardo reminds us often that you only have grace for this moment, for this day. We don't get tomorrow's grace today. We don't get yesterday's grace today. So that uncertainty is the only reason I realize that I'm we are still in business, so we are able to serve others and execute on our mission of hospitality. Because, you know, in my own weakness, in that moment, you say two years, I'm out of here. See ya. All right. Number three, biggest, third biggest thing you learned, God sees us for so much more than what we do. Another difficulty during the time was you can become your mission. You can become your work and get too wrapped up into it. And even if it's a good mission, you know, and a lot of us do great work and we serve others and that's a privilege, but we're more than what we do. And I sort of caught up in that, gosh, am I just here to cancel trips? Is that my only existence now for, you know, two years? And yeah, maybe that is what you're supposed to be doing. But God sees us for who we are, for who he made us. And that changes everything because we don't see each other for just what you can do. You know, we reduce each other to utilitarian. You know, we're more than that. We're more than what we do, even if it's what we do for others. We are who God made us to be. And at those moments, um, again, the reality is laid bare that you are existing to, to live and love in the way that I entrust to you today. And that might just be with your family. That might just be with you and me, God. But that's all we can do this day. We're talking to John Hale, Corporate Travel Service. John, the biggest thing that you say you learned, finally, the most important point is that our God is not a distant God. It's true. He's very, he's very close. He's very personal. But we've got to block out the noise to hear him. And that's what the pandemic did for me and I think for a lot of people is give us some opportunity as it waned on to be quiet. There's a lot of noise and increase the noise increases and there's a, a lot out in the world to try and distract us, to, to grab our attention. And there's really only one who deserves our full and total attention, and that is God who created us. And when we give that time back to him in quiet, we realize and understand how very close he is to us in our joys, our struggles, in our everything. And unless you take that time, you don't know that. We're just too busy going, doing. I quote you, A trial is not something that is happening to you. It is something that God is walking very closely and intimately with you through. That's most everybody today. Please. Yes. You know, we, we all have our trials and, you know, small, small T and, and big T. And sooner or later, uh, even if you haven't had a big one, there's there's going to be trials. I mean, there's life ends, and that can be a trial. And we we all know that we have to not with a macabre sense of oh, what's my end, but with a, an understanding of the reality. So, you know, trials, but are something that God allows us to experience by His providence. It is a mystery. Suffering is a mystery, but He is there. He is close, and uh, we, we can. And if we allow Him to break through our lives and our own agendas, our own noise, then we will feel and experience that profoundly. All right. It's been almost three and a half years since that COVID hit. 
You're flying again, very successful. Talk about some of the services that you provide at Corporate Travel. Well, as you said, we, we bring experiences to others. And I think what we enjoy most are bringing experiences that you really couldn't get on your own. So uh, educational travel for students, you know, bringing them to Washington, D.C., New York, overseas, opens their eyes, you know, to beyond their four corners, get them off their phones and to see monuments, to to understand the stories of heroes, things that you highlight here on the show, people who have done heroic things for, for generations. And that, I think, helps people get outside of their own four corners. We have faith travel. We go to the Holy Land, to, to Rome. We have music, so we organize travel for bands, orchestras, choirs, uh, produce shows at Carnegie Hall. We produce um, uh, music charters in, in partnership with uh, Star Vista Live, Time Life, where we produce a country cruise, you know, the uh, 70s cruise, all these music cruises. and. And then we have a traditional travel agency that serves families, couples who really want to curate uh, a trip or experience on their own. But through all of these, the idea is to elevate and to build culture. Uh, so much of today is spent complaining about others, I think. And our media, in some degree, kind of feeds that. And I've always taught our kids and taught others that, listen, there are two ways to do evil. One is to do evil, to do something wrong. The other is to be overly preoccupied with evil or what we perceive as evil or what we perceive as someone else doing something wrong. And what does the devil use that? He uses our energy, our time to talk about what everybody else is doing wrong rather than going yourself and doing something that's good for others. So don't be diverted down the rabbit holes of what's wrong Go and do something that's good, whether that's in your family, in your neighborhood, in your business, in your work, or at any level. I've personally experienced, Pam and I, some of these trips. And unsolicited, boy, if you're going to go on a cruise, Holy Land, Poland, uh, Carnegie Hall, Rome, www.ctscentral.net, you won't be disappointed. All right, the life you live, Mr. Hale. You're in the Sistine Chapel with 10 people. Uh, you're, you're with the head of the Swiss Guard. You're, you're in the most holy spots in the Holy Land. You're with the monkeys on a cruise ship, the singing group, okay? You're with Bishop Barron, Father Mike Schmitz, on a family in the Ritz in Orlando phenomenal life. You say, if you can dream it, we can build it. And we love helping you dream. Well, I have a dream, Mr. Hale, that I am Mr. Hale for one week. Okay, that's my dream. (laughs) And I'm Jack Rasula, and this is Anything is Possible on 760 WJR. Jack Krizula, host of WJR's Anything is Possible, the weekly radio visit, brings his 15 years of inspirational storytelling to hardcover. With God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. 15 of Jack's more than 750 tales of defeating odds and achieving the extraordinary. Like Bob Woodruff, whose job covering the war in Iraq nearly cost him his life. 
and Nick Vujicic, the limbless evangelist who has stunned millions with his message of acceptance and grace. With God, anything is possible. Order now while signed copies are still available at trustinusllc.square.site. That's trustinusllc.square.site. And as Jack says, Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spohol. I'm Jack Grisola. This is Anything is Possible. And we're talking to John Hale, who's been a recovering lawyer for years and is the co-owner, President, Corporate Travel Service. John, I admire you for a lot of reasons. Maybe the most is you and Kristen. Well, Kristen and you. The job you've done raising your five children is unbelievable. Each of them are respectful, mature, faith-filled they're perfect. What do you feed them? Yes, well, certainly not perfect, but we're we're abundantly blessed, and I think you know it's just been a grace. God has blessed Kristen and I. We have loved every minute of being parents, and uh, it's interesting because I, I think back to our firstborn, and there was just simply no adjustment. I mean, it changes your world entirely, and yet it just seemed like from the minute uh, our first son John was born, this is the way it always was and always should be. And we always, like my parents did with us, and I, my wife's parents did with her, we always had a lot of fun, a lot of faith, uh, and and discipline together. What, but I will say, I think God has led us to. Uh, to do and to and he put in our lives remarkable people, Jack, like you and Pam, like so many other families, so many others who were witnesses to our kids. We were always very intentional about who we had for dinner at our home, who we traveled with, uh, who our kids were with, and they had tremendous role models uh, in our in our larger family with siblings, cousins. And with the the friendships that just God has blessed us with, so you know a lot of life is serendipitous, and I and I feel that the the beautiful kids we've been given and entrusted with are um, have enriched our lives so much. We love them so much, and um, they're a product of God's goodness and grace first and foremost, and so many witnesses from family and dear friends in our lives. All right, let's talk about a building that you've been in hundreds of times. It was started in 1506. It was completed, friends, in 1626. I think that's 120 years under construction. It's called St. Peter's Basilica. When you go in there and see the Pieta, and what amazes you the most about St. Peter's Basilica? It's overwhelming, and Jack, you hit it on the head. I think it's the commitment that people have had to build beauty for the purpose of praising God. Uh, you know, a lot of people think, wow, you know, this big building, couldn't you have done something with this in any other way? Well, think about all the people it employed. Think of all the people that it brings and attracts. And think about, first and foremost, the beauty you know, the beauty here on earth is only meant to inspire us to the, the fraction of the beauty that is God, the transcendence. And that space does it. I mean, you look up uh, toward the ceiling and you see the, the, the Latin written and those, those mosaic 
words, uh, letters, are seven feet tall each, and they look like they might be, you know, a centimeter, you know, a, a foot. Uh, it's it's really hard to get your mind around when you're you're in that space. But what's most remarkable about it is that uh, you know secular archaeology has confirmed that we have always believed by faith, and that is it is built over the remains of St. Peter, the first pope. And we know that because there are iterations of the tombs, one on top of the other, dating back to the first century with graffiti from the first century that says Beatrice is here. And in the 1920s, the pope began excavating what is now called the Scavi excavations, two stories down below and below the, the, the dome and the baldacchino or, and the main altar directly in the middle is the tomb of St. Peter. That's what's most remarkable to me, is that for hundreds of years, we accepted that this was the, the, the place of burial of St. Peter, and now through these excavations over the last hundred years, we actually know it to be true. Then you walk into this Vatican Museum, unbelievable, and there's a little room. One night a few years ago, right before Christmas, you let Pam and I come in with a bunch of ambassadors and cardinals because the Sistine Chapel Choir, the oldest choir in the world, was giving a concert in the Sistine Chapel. Wow. Talk about the Sistine Chapel. The beauty is overwhelming. And again, the, the idea of that beauty is to draw us back to God and, you know, to be in that place uh, with a guide, with a Dr. Liz Lev who can explain it theologically what you know happens through the old testament and then back up to the main altar of the last judgment uh, with mary interceding for us at the at the, at the side of christ it is overwhelming but it's like all things you know you have to understand the context and, and understand the reason behind it which is what we feel privileged to do on all of our experiences yes it's very special to be in there after hours and we'll be doing that several times even this fall and you know we have the privilege to go into the Sistine Chapel often alone with our groups but unless you know the why behind the what uh, it's out of context. And so really, whether it's a, a family pilgrimage for a few or for a hundred or a thousand, what we always endeavor to do is to be able to explain the importance, the significance. It's much like what you do, Jack, with your collections. It's it's not just what you're seeing. It's the story behind it, the story. And that is what's meant to motivate us. And the Sistine Chapel is meant to motivate us to bring ourselves back to God, that life will end. There will be judgment. Where do we stand? If you want to learn more, or go on a cruise, or go on a trip, pilgrimage, www.ctscentral.net. You take people to the Holy Land, Steve Ray, many, many times. What's the best part of the pilgrimage to the Holy Land? Well, it has to be the Holy Sepulcher. To be in the place where Christ was crucified, laid out, and then buried, and to, to celebrate Mass in or adjacent to the tomb, again, you have historical records outside of biblical records that confirm that this happened. And, you know, going to C.S. Lewis, you stand there and you say, he's either Lord, liar, or lunatic. And when you're standing in that place and you know that he rose, he was crucified and he rose, 
all within, it's very, they're very close to each other. They're within the same church, the Holy Sepulchre. Th- th- there's no doubting it. There's, your faith is never the same. You, you never attend uh, an, another mass or church service the same again once you've been to the Holy Sepulchre. For the last few years, you've created these good news conferences with Word on Fire, Bishop Barron. Talk about what that consists of. Well, over the years, we've had many opportunities personally to attend conferences where I consider it like a a vitamin B12 shot in your arm. And we've been members of a great organization called Legatus for Catholic business owners. And we we leave very inspired by the other attendees, by the speakers, and you, you want to go out and offer your life for the good of others. And... You know, from that, we thought it would be great to have these opportunities open to anyone willing and wishing to come, that you get nourished in your faith. You you have a sense that, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one struggling with X, Y, and Z. I'm not the only one who's far from perfect. But hearing stories and uh, speakers who really inspire you, and then you come out of that conference or those conferences and events to inspire others in your life. That's the main goal of those conferences. www.ctscentral.net. John Hale, thanks for being a friend. Thanks for all the ways you've helped me through the years. Thank you, Jack. What a privilege to be here. Very grateful to you. Please join us next Saturday. Until then, I'm Jack Vasula. Thanks for listening. Make it a great week because with God, anything is possible. Spall. Believe in yourself.